0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Buckle up, strap yourself in, and get ready.
0: Welcome to the Roy Green Show on the
1: Chorus Radio Network.
0: what a week what a week and what a weekend it's going to be thanksgiving weekend but we have a lot to cover with you on this program today and tomorrow Roy Green show on the Chorus Radio Network. Just reading uh, a story on Fox News. You know, we talk about the aiming for mediocrity. Aim for the middle. Used to be aim for the top. Now it's aim for the middle. Some schools are getting rid of naming and honoring the student with the highest academic achievements in his or her class. Saying it promotes unhealthy competition between students. So at least half of the U.S. schools have either stopped naming valedictorians or named multiple ones in the graduating class. Several schools in North Carolina, Virginia, and New York have done away with the title altogether. What do young people think about it? Ryan Walters, a student of the top of his class in Wake Forest, North Carolina, says, I think it's pretty stupid, and I don't think it's fair. Wake County is recognizing mediocrity, not graziness. That's true. It's like the participation trophies. You show up, you get a trophy. No, you get a trophy when you win. It's about winning. It's about achievement. Now, remember the Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker who got castigated because he, uh, his kids received participation trophies? And he said, take them right back where you got them. If you win, you get a trophy. You do not get a trophy because you participate. Let's get to the issues here. The big story, the biggest story anywhere this past week, has been the carnage in Las Vegas. And uh, later on on the show, I'm going to be speaking with uh, a Canadian who is very well known internationally as an expert on ISIS, Graham Wood. Has interviewed ISIS members. His book is called *The Way of Strangers: Encounters with the Islamic Sect* or Islamic State. Meanwhile, uh, ISIS almost immediately claimed responsibility for the mass murders in uh, in Vegas. The attack by Stephen Paddock and Graham Wood, in Atlantic Magazine, he writes there regularly, wrote: "Why did the Islamic State claim the Las Vegas shooting?" I had a chance to talk to Graham Wood on Thursday. We're going to play that back for you. In a little while, and we'll talk about what he has to say. But in Chicago, I decided the other day when we were all talking about Las Vegas, I decided to have a look at the Chicago statistics for gun activity and shootings. I had to look around a bit before I found the numbers. In Chicago, I think it was Wednesday of this week, shootings were at 2,877. There have been some 2,877 attacks with firearms in 2017. And the question is, what's the fundamental reason behind all of these shootings and deaths? A Chicago epidemiologist at the University of Illinois argues the shootings are a public health issue, and he'd warned the governor of Illinois a surge in shootings in Chicago would occur after funding for his program, ceasefire Illinois, or cure violence, as it's also called, was cut. He was Correct. Now, the Cure Violence program is successful in New York and Los Angeles and other urban areas. We've had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Gary Slutkin in the past, came away very impressed with what he told us and what his program's all about, and he's back with us on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Dr. Slutkin, good to talk
1: to you again. Good to be with you again, Roy.
0: If I can just set aside the Chicago numbers for a moment, what does that shooting in Las Vegas speak to as far as you're concerned?
1: Well, it primarily speaks to the contagious nature of violence itself, and uh, we're seeing this in uh, mass shootings, we see this in suicides, we see this in vehicles, um, barging into crowds, and we see this in the community, with all kinds of reasons being given, but um, the, the common denominator of Uh, people who are doing this is not actually their stated grievance. It's that um, they're susceptible to the contagion um, by nature of one thing or another um, having to do with either social isolation or unhappiness or something, or basically their friends are doing it. In other words, they've had very large doses of exposure. So that, that's what it primarily um, speaks to um, for me. And that's why it's so interesting for me why um, people are so uh, focused on what is the motive. You know, Is it uh, a dislike of this group or an association with that group or whatever? But, you know, f- from Columbine to um, the Charleston uh, church to this, to, the Orlando, to everyday, um, shootings, um, it's exposure to violence and susceptibility to, um, to that exposure. And this is what, this isn't, um, uh, just an idea. I mean, this is, as we've talked about before, this is very well established now in the scientific literature. We did a, uh, A workshop on this at the Institute of Medicine in 2012, which can be downloaded from the Cure Violence website under Understanding Violence. There's now hundreds of studies showing the contagious nature of it, dozens that show that um, treating it um, as a contagious issue causes um, rapid reductions, and uh, thousands of studies showing that it's a health issue. So we've, we've, we've fundamentally misdiagnosed this problem, um, not just recently, but in a way forever. And that's why we continue to have wars and we continue to have violence. Yet, I mean, you know, we no longer continue to have very much plague or leprosy or tuberculosis and, and even malaria is going away. And because we've put science into the mix realized their contagious problems, issues, um, revealed what it is that's going on underneath it all, and then approached a different approach than um, calling the people bad. Instead, you know, went into interruption and outreach and changing behaviors, and basically what uh, we in public health have been doing um, for a few centuries.
0: How difficult is it to persuade people, at least initially, and persuade people who have control of money, how difficult is it to persuade them of the kinds of activities that are taking place, for example, in Chicago? With the, gun, with the gang violence, the gun violence, how difficult is it to persuade them that it's a public health issue and not just thousands of gangbangers who happen to have access to firearms?
1: Yeah, you have put your finger on the obstacle because um, I don't want to be too... Um, cavalier about this, but reducing violence behavior is actually, uh, itself, is a lot easier than changing smoking behavior or changing sexual behavior. I, I know both of these fields. I worked in one of them for a long time, and, and reducing violence behavior is a, is a much easier behavior. But what you've just pointed out to, changing the worldview, the belief systems of the public and uh, policymakers is harder i mean we had an uphill ride with aids because people like to think of that the people who had aids as bad until you know somehow we finally got around to yeah it's a health issue yeah but um yeah that's the challenge at at the same time though it's if you look at those who have in our funding this work you can see that it's it's gradually picking up i mean in In um, Chicago, a whole number of philanthropists have come together to put um, uh, outreach and interruption and the health approach back in. This is going to be starting um, fairly soon. The state uh, uh, that Chicago is in, Illinois, it has a new budget, and um, the Cure cure Violence in Chicago has now gotten funds, and it's hiring.
0: Now, let me do, so, uh, Dr. Slutkin, let me take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask you how the program works and, and what, what, in fact, does happen. It's, it's underway, is it not uh, still in uh, New York and Los Angeles?
1: Uh, it's in 25
0: cities. 25 cities, okay. So we'll talk, when we come back,
1: many places in Latin America as well.
0: All right, so when we come back, we'll and talk about how ahead. it works, what's necessary, and what the results have turned out to be, because it's quite fascinating. We're going to come back with Dr. Gary Slutkin, epidemiologist of the University of Illinois. Stay with us.
1: He's like a superhero without the costume. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio
0: Network. Send emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Gratuitous gun violence. In Chicago, the numbers are they're devastating. More than 750 people killed. In Chicago in 2016, the highest total since 1997. More than 4,300 were wounded by firearms. And some 2,877 gun attacks already this year. Dr. Gary Slutkin is with me, epidemiologist at the University of Illinois. He is uh, was the uh, the Cure of Violence. Is that that's your program, isn't it, Dr. Slutkin? Help me out here, this please, is guys.
1: An NGO associated with the University of Illinois at Chicago.
0: Okay, and
1: it's um, it's it's working in on five continents now, and um, rated one of the higher work rated organizations and the most actually for reducing violence now because of the data and the specificity of the methods.
0: Okay so let's talk about how it works. Uh, let's, let's say uh, the city of Chicago decides that it's going to fund, you said now you've got private individuals who are going to come up with the funding and that's great news for the people of Chicago. But how does it work? How does the system in fact work? What is it about Cure Violence that cures the gun violence? What takes place?
1: Well, I mean, it it, it works the same way, really, that we manage all other health epidemics. So if you're aware of, and most people aren't, you know, of health workers who are looking for cases of early cases, first cases of bird flu or SARS or plague or TB or cholera, and then uh, second and third cases to prevent spread, you know, there are health workers in the public health sector who um, look for these and cut them off and stop their their occurrence and then prevent the spread. And we do the same thing with uh, violence. We have health workers that work for community groups and they um, work under health departments in in most cities and they're out um, being aware of what's going on in the neighborhood and they have the trust of the people and um, including the people who shoot, that's how they're selected. And so, they, These workers, pure violence workers, will um, understand that something happened at the party last night that somebody's upset or that someone owed somebody money and someone's upset. So they can go, go in there and begin to interact with those people to cool them down, change their thinking, buy time, and then es- essentially persuade them out of it, which they're almost 100% good at. And then we continue working with them, just like we continue to work with other people who have infectious processes to ensure that they stay cool and that there isn't a relapse. And we work with them for six months to two years and with their friends. And the results of this, so you might have eight or 20 of such workers in a reasonably sized neighborhood. Usually you'll see the shootings and killings going down very rapidly once the group is um, hired and ordinarily it's sustained as well. And there's a lot of, I mean, there are neighborhoods now in Baltimore and New York that have gone, um, two years and one that's gone three years without any shootings and killings that used to be very dangerous neighborhoods. And so many now that have gone 50%. We, in New York, there was a study just released Monday showing 50% reduction in, um, shootings and, uh, violent events. In, in one neighborhood, and 65% in the other neighborhood that was evaluated, as compared you to are, controls.
0: The program also engages former or even current gang members, right. correct?
1: Well, it, it uh, hopefully not current, and you, it, it's it, we're looking for people who have the same shared experience mm-hmm. and the same, um, because that's, and we do that in every field of health, in public health, we use, uh, people used to use um, drugs to treat people who are now using drugs you we use moms to reach moms for breastfeeding and nutrition programs we use um, sex workers to reach sex workers or former sex workers and so on and so yeah that's that's the formula that's the technology that most people don't know is that it, um that you this is required for um this is the way public health works
0: yeah, and Dr. And Slutkin, no one,
1: of course, knows how that works. We, right.
0: Time, time always, always goes very quickly. We have two and a half minutes here. Um, what would be a reasonable percentage or a reasonable number to aim for? No pun intended. If the uh, Cure of Violence program is adopted by a, a large municipal area, large urban area, where there's a significant amount of gun violence that's taking place, and Cure of Violence is put in place, and it becomes very proactive, and it has all the component parts working. What perc- how much of a percentage of drop do you expect in gun violence? What could be expected?
1: Well, it, it's very common to see 40 to 70 percent drops in shootings and killings, and that occurs relatively rapidly within the first you know, couple months. You know, it needs to be done right. I mean, it, it's it it you you can't do it yourself like many things. it's so our team is you know assists communities in um, getting set up and mm-hmm. and of course there's um, hundreds of hours of training um, over time. Initially 40 and then 100. So you know these workers are specialists like right. emergency medical technicians. so are.
0: how do people if there's a if there's a mayor or a council listening to this program now and they're thinking we should give this a try what's the first step that they have to take
1: I think um it is really to go to the website cure violence and um, there is a way to um, connect with us on there and it's called um, I mean there's a there is an e there and you can um, Yeah, there's connecting points on our website.
0: Okay. And is that CureViolence.com? Yeah,
1: CureViolence.org.
0: .org. .org. Okay. So we need to pick this up again and have a further discussion and perhaps have some people uh, who are involved in the program join us and give us an idea of what's happening on the street corners And on the streets, and and I'd love to do that. Dr. Slutkin, thank you so much for the time today. It's important, and it's been one heck of a week that has a lot of people thinking about the tragedies that have taken place. Thank you for the time, always.
1: Well, they're talking about the same stuff, so it's time to turn the page now. Thanks so much, Roy. Thank you. you.
0: All the best. Dr. Gary Slutkin, University of Illinois, epidemiologist. CureViolence.org, have a look at it. They're extremely successful. Extremely. When we come back... We're going to be speaking with Tracy Wilson. She's the uh, chairwoman of the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights in uh, the Ottawa area. Don't go away.